and he's back, he's refreshed. Um, yeah, it, despite that obviously happening, it still, I think, overall was a positive experience because you ended up forging these really strong relationships with all these people, and you ended up, you went out to LA after that, wasn't, is that right? Or was it before? Uh, I mean, they were, I think, actually, when they came to Europe, in terms of the history of the Haitian thing, which is not really my story to tell, but just to give you some perspective, it's like the when they came to Europe, it was uh, the end of the yeah, LA. Yeah, because they were already done with the house. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then obviously it did. You know, you kept up a relationship with Bina and people like that, and yeah, like you said, the brothers, because you you ended up doing more trips with Bina and stuff like Inti, and I don't know how to pronounce the newest Haitian one. Ishidi Ished. I mean, it's like with a Spanish accent, but it's a shady. I think. A shady. Um, so, like, and you've obviously been on multiple trips with various members of that group since then and kept in touch with them. So it's like you guys have created this bond that may not have been as strong if that event didn't happen. Yeah, and I mean, that's there, there's there's some things that we can explain like that that was in the video, but there's also lots of things that happened on that trip that, are going to remain secrets and we know about them and there there's lots of things that happen that we can't tell you about and that or that I don't want to tell yeah. and just just that just also have strengthened that bond like there there was it was just like a turning point it was a turning point i think it was for all of us actually it was their first time in europe you know it was like a that sort of like classic American skater comes to Europe, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like a destroy all girls mode. It was, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like this all, it wasn't like the, the sort of yeah. go around the competition circuits and just go, woo! but at the same time, it, it, it was like, we had the, we had the energy, like the energy was just in a way, reckless but it just like it was just in, the, in its own way yeah I, I know what you mean it wasn't like the american invasion it was like the american immersion they were like let's let's just try and get ourselves involved as much as we can in each and place it wasn't you know, there was also some of us involved that were you know new, like the people we stayed with and stuff me and my team and some of the other european guys had, had met these people before and there was so it was kind of a crossover of um it was it was so interesting and i could think about that trip forever like it was so much when i watched that video i get so nostalgic and oh, yeah i can yeah understandably i think yeah what you mean is it was it was a lot more organic than you it would first appear it wasn't just these people just being lumped together there were there were various connections that were you know the whole way it happened like i mean my team came onto the trip because in Berlin he was at summer clash and he just started hanging out with us because he liked Haitian and then and then we were just like what are you doing this summer and he, he said that he had no plans and he had to call his girlfriend and see if it was okay and then he was like I'm coming on the tour with you and then we we're like where are we going to go next and then we decided next we go to Amsterdam and then we just decided to go to Amsterdam and once we're in Amsterdam we've we're had a um we're there and then we just decided okay time to move on where are we going to go oh let's go to paris and it was just that was the way it progressed it was just like it, spontaneous. It, it, it wasn't played out it was just um like it wasn't planned out sorry i think we had a brief idea that they wanted to make it to barcelona to mark's place 
Mark Moreno's place. Yeah. But yeah, and Bina made it there eventually. But it was it was yeah, it was kind of just drawn our way through bit by bit. And yeah. It's a yeah, it's it's de- I definitely cite that as one of my most impactful skating experiences. And it has set me on a path to go on trips like that with Bina and the and like you know and the other ones and and just yeah, it gave me a confidence, I guess, and a certain in a certain approach to skating. Because that that I couldn't find that in Scotland. That wasn't that that sort of thing. What they were doing, I I didn't feel there was that sort of um, approach to skating going going on in Scotland. Yeah, I would agree. There's def there's definitely not that kind of energy and not I want to say almost people not and I don't mean it in a bad way, like just as dedicated, if that makes sense, because most of the skaters in Scotland now are older and they've got, you know, jobs and kids and just lives outside it. And there's not as many skaters that are of that age to just immerse themselves in it fully and just go, We're just disappearing for several months to skate. Because mm-hmm. And the people that are young enough to do it aren't as, I don't want to say serious about it, but just as like, you know, like diehard about it. They just kind of, they skate and they enjoy it. And that's, that's all they want. They don't want to, you know, fully pursue that lifestyle or that culture as much. So, and like, I do think you had to go away and like hang about with a different group of people in order to have that experience. I don't think you would have had it with Scottish skaters. No, and I, I I don't I don't really understand when I I don't really understand how I got so involved with skating. I, I can see why because I loved it, but like I I almost tr- try to unprogram myself because I think this the way that I have viewed skating in the past going forward isn't always going to help me. I'm trying to sometimes like unattach myself from skating a bit so i can see what other options are there for me in life because sometimes i'm so barreled thinking with skating yeah. that it's like it's my whole life and that allows me to be very passionate about it but that self-identity with something can also make you sad when it's not going the way you want it to go yeah, so, yeah if you dedicate different. so much yeah if you dedicate so much of your energy to that one thing well what if it doesn't pan out or what if it doesn't what if it then gets taken away from you through injury or through something yeah and then you're left with if you dedicate such a huge portion of your being to that one thing if you can't do it anymore it leaves you with very little else yeah i, I mean i've been going through so many the last year i'd say i've, I've been i'm 23 now which isn't You'll laugh at me because yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not old at all. But it is. It is. It is a point where you're figuring out because it's at the point where you're like, well, cool. Now I need to start thinking about the future because I'm. I am 23. I'm not a stupid little teenager anymore. I realize there's bills to pay and there's a future to think about, and my body's not going to be able to do this forever. And mm. it's, yes, 23 is still young, but it is also a point where you're very much like at the point of realizing the type of person you are and what you want. It's a, it's a funny, it's funny because I think it's it's just like a, I feel like I'm getting into my skin more and more where I'm starting to realize like a, I'm not a teenager anymore. And but all these experiences that I had as a teenager feel like they're still just right here. Like the, like when we're speaking about the Haitian stuff, it feels like I can recall it like it was just right there, you know. But at the same time, I feel more and I feel my my focus shifting 
with regards to what I want from life. And I, I couldn't sit here and clearly tell you exactly what I want on a list, but it's just like, I can sense that there's ways I want to do things and there's what, you know, and, and just like, I, I definitely think that you, yeah, 23 is a, a funny age to be in. I'm just, well, uh, that's, that's the age when a lot of people are finishing university and starting yeah. adult life, starting working life. And for people that haven't, you know, it's at a point where you've, if you haven't gone to university, you've been working for several years now and you realize you're like, oh, I, I, this isn't what I want for my life or I don't want to do this job or, you know, oh, exactly. and you've obviously made some big life decisions in that period because you've been living in Copenhagen for what, how many years now? Since I was 19. That's what I mean. Like most most people don't just decide to up and leave and move to a foreign country where they don't speak the language at 19 and then and you've stuck around like four years. So that's a, that's a long time to stay in a place. Yeah, and I mean, I, have, I scratch my head because I'm like, at the time I moved here, I just, it didn't really feel like a big thing because I was so in love that it just kind of felt like I got carried here by like, it was just, it just felt like it was all making sense and I would just, now I'm just here and now I'm life's here and yeah, because you moved, was, did, did you meet a girl at Reskilled and that's why you moved there? Yeah, I met, I met my ex-girlfriend, Clara, at Roskilde. But we, and then we had, I, I was traveling at the time after that. And then we had a week together in Italy and just fell pretty madly in love. <laughs> and uh, then I just, from there on, I decided that I was going to stop traveling at the time I was traveling with skating, trying to go to different competitions. And my plan was to maybe go to Asia for the first time. Still never been there because fell in love and decided I'm moving home to Scotland to save up money and going to go move to Denmark. Went home to Scotland for eight months, saved up enough and just went, saved up enough that I would have like three month reserve in case right. I couldn't find a job and then moved here. And it's just, yeah, it's crazy to still be here and especially like Clara and I are not in a relationship anymore. And so it kind of re-changes the whole perspective of being here because it's like, I wasn't here only for Clara, but that was definitely the thing that brought me here. Yeah, that was yeah, that was the thing that influenced you to move there in the first place, yeah. Yeah, and I had reason to move to Copenhagen. I mean, in the Haitian video, just to reference that again, when I first came to Copenhagen, that was the first time I ever came to Copenhagen. And... I remember being like, oh, I love this city. The city's got something going for it that I really like, like cycling about and the skate spots. And I just was very attracted to the, the sort of way of life in Denmark. I was, I was here in the summer, so obviously it was a more even more attractive. You're like, yeah, swimming and, in the river and sitting outside all day. This is great. And then it gets to winter and you're like, shit, it's cold here. <laughs> darkness. But, but then I, you know, yeah, and I think it's it's then I moved here from being um to be with Clara and uh invest in our relationship and just be here date on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's crazy to go around Copenhagen. I still have this. And it's my home now. I consider it home here. I mean, home is Scotland too, but this is like my personally, individually, this is like I feel very I love it here and I want to continue living here if I can. Yeah, like you've you've you know you've planted yourself in that community. You've made a friendship group. You're familiar with the area. You know you've mm -hmm. worked various jobs there. That it is your home. It it mm -hmm. might not be where you were born and bred, but it, it is your home. Yeah, totally. And I I feel that I, I I relate to it as home. Also, like 
not just when I say it to people, but with myself, I do see it as that and identify it as my home. And when I go skate, when I cycle around or skate around the streets, it's funny because I, I have all these memories of skate trips that I used to have here. And it's like, I have, it's just like layered in this funny way where it's like, I'll go to a kebab shop and I'll be there with a colleague and I'll be sitting in that kebab shop and remember the time I was there with Bina. Yeah. You've, you've, ex home. you've experienced it on multiple levels. Like you've experienced yeah. the city on, on various different yeah planes. I know I've experienced mean. it as like, uh, with the charm of being 16 years old for the first time on a trip on my own, I've experienced it on the, you know, just returning again and again for Roskilde every year. And I've, I've experienced, you know, I've, I go and skate the local skate park and I've skated that skate park with like every pro skater on the planet at some point in time, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, when Ross Gilder's happening, you've, I've experienced the local park with like full of Montre and everyone. And it's just, it's just funny to have, it's almost like phantoms or ghosts that I just see around of like all these memories that have happened. It's like, it's, it's just it just gives me enriches i think it enriches my experience of being here having that that past memories definitely when when did you and your partner split up um in may right end, end of may 2020 last year because i did I, I was curious about that yeah because we haven't really like spoke since then because i was because i was like Tom's been out with her for years. So surely the logical step is they just move in together. And it's, you know, sharing rent is cheaper than having it on your own. But then when that never happened, and then when I saw, because you moved in with, didn't you move in with Carl like last year? Yeah, March last year. Yeah, because I was like. It wasn't the reason we broke up though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying he broke your late. Yeah, but I was just like, it's kind of weird that Dom would move in with him and not with his girlfriend. Right, okay, that makes sense. Because yeah. when you did the Wax Toaster episode, I was watching it and I was like, Dom just kind of seems a little bit sad in this. And I know that a lot of things have been going on because you'd obviously, was that when you were self-isolating as well? Because you'd tested positive for coronavirus. Was that around that time? When I did the wax poster? No, yeah. wax toaster. Yeah, that was um, a week after I just came out of self-isolation. But I definitely, I watched it. There, there, there was something about you and you just didn't seem... You just didn't seem yourself. Like you seemed just a little bit either subdued or unsure or just a little bit, you know, melancholy watched, or something. I, totally. I watched that back for like 20 minutes of it just to check how I was, uh, like how I was talking and stuff because I, I have a little bit of a, a bad conscience. Uh, no, I just, I feel a little bit, um, when I have these podcast things, I'm a little bit nervous because I, I can't watch my Jump Street podcast. Like I, I can't watch it. I, I you were it's very not, hyperactive. You were you were very high. Like you could tell that your nerves were all over the place there. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think other people took it across people who don't know me and haven't met me before and haven't engaged with me like um, person to person and face to face. I think could take that as just like rudeness because I'm, I'm, I'm I, and I, I actually in some in that particular podcast, I, I also thought I was being rude. Like and I didn't. I didn't mean to be. But I, I know what you mean. But yeah, the person you were on that podcast is not the person I've hung about with numerous times over the years. You could tell that. I think the occasion got the better of you, and you just your brain went into fast forward. Yeah, it was like overdrive. Like I mean, the way I'm speaking, I like I I get cringy watching it because it's like. But I got to say, like 
Billy and I the night before, I should have just, me and David were laughing. I said, I should have just said that at the start of the podcast, but like Billy and I the night before had had a few beers and Billy at the time was working for, uh, well, he had some, he had some edibles candy lying around and okay. I, ate I ate a few of them and I woke up in the morning and had that podcast and I was like, holy shit, I'm still, my brain's still in la la land. And I'm, and then, it, so then I like, um, downed a few coffees. And then just before I went into the podcast, I had a, um, um, Austin Paz's girlfriend or wife, I can't remember, but made me a really uh, strong coffee. Oh, and I just I just went into that podcast and was like. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So still. still so, when vi- went the, so when I went on the Wax Poster podcast, I had a piece of paper sitting in front of me that said, please don't interrupt and listen and I, but it was to the point where I noticed that I was almost like biting my tongue because I, and I think that's where you've got that feeling that I was not myself because I was, uh, I was really trying to make an effort to be, uh, to listen. And I, I do listen, but just not to let my like automatic impulse take over too much. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, there was actually, and that reminds me, there was something I asked, I've direct. I like sent you a DM about that and then you just ignored me. So I'm going to ask you about it now. You made the weirdest statement on that podcast that just made no sense whatsoever when you said, I don't understand what's expected of me as a pro skater. Can you elaborate on that? Because you're like, you're an intelligent young man. So I want to know what you actually mean when you say that. Okay. Because it's not that difficult. No, it's, it's not it's not a complex Okay, so let's arrangement. break let's let's break it down. I'll try to break down what I've said there and figure out what I mean. I think as a pro skater, okay, you would hope that the the ideal would be that you would represent a company and by do in, in order to represent that company in this day and age, that would probably mean social media presence where the company is tagged in that and the company it's shown that the company is one who's supporting you. Mm -hmm. That would probably mean, um, competition attendance and trying to, trying to do your best in a competition for that company or just for yourself. And then you represent that company, right? But mainly it's just representing that brand in whatever way you can. Yeah. That's what you would be expected of you as, as a pro skater, right? So what about that? Did you not, do you not understand or doesn't make sense to you? I think that I just think it's, it doesn't work anymore because I don't think companies, um, I, I just don't think that company, some certain companies respect the skate industry, the skate culture enough. And I don't think that I don't, I don't want to get my tongue in a twist here. And I'm definitely way more cautious right now than I would be if I was speaking to my friends. That's for sure. Well, let me put it this way. When you say, I found that very surprising that you said you didn't understand what was expected of you as a pro skater, because you do already fulfill what I believe are the requirements of a pro skater in that I wouldn't say competition appearances are that important. You know, 
if you are a competition skater, it is. See, if you're not a competition skater, sometimes going to an event and just absolutely tanking does more harm than good, if you know what I mean. But you don't fall into that category. You know, you've won under 18's Winter Clash. You've won numerous events. You've placed on the podium at the last two Winter Clashes. So in terms of competition experiences, you are a competition skater. Like You're competitive and you thrive under that kind of pressure. So it makes sense for you to be at those events. Mm. You're also very approachable and have a good reputation. I know very few people that don't think highly of you. They're all like, oh yeah, Dom's a good laugh. Dom's really friendly. Da, da, da. You go to mm. various countries. And then video appearances. You've had appearances in some of the most interesting projects of the last 10 years, like Pappies, Inti, Haitian Reincarnation, now the Fifth Floor, the most recent Haitian video as well. So it's like all the things that are required of a skater I would say you do. You're not as active on social media. I know that you use it for direct messaging people, but I know that you don't really feel the need to promote your skating on there as much because you're not one of those guys that just shoves up a clip every day or, you know, a couple of times a week. That's not you. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't have to be. You shouldn't have, like, not every skater is that person and you shouldn't have to manipulate who you are in order to represent a brand because everyone knows the brands that you're associated with and everyone respects you as a skater. So what, what else is there to do? And I also see that I also think of it is that whatever I do somehow is connected to skating. So even like the way I handle my social media, the things that I choose to put up on there, it's still like, like that's part of my character and part of my personality that I try to express. And I feel like that's just, somehow tied to skating even if it's not directly it's like i'm just so embedded in skating that i feel like everything i do somehow gets back there i I would say yeah i would say when you're that when you're a lifer like i would say you are that's that's a fair assessment but what what do you find problematic about that whole thing then the whole relationship between the sponsor and the skater Because I would say there are brands that very much do respect skate culture and very I, much. I would, say, I would say so too, and I'm definitely very much not. leave the skater to just be themselves and. Agree, I totally agree. So let me try to like, it's a little bit fuzzy in my head right now that, because I I don't because of the the first question that you've approached it with. It's like you know what I mean. I don't. I want to try to clear uh, something that annoys me. So I think that skate some some brands as i can see the way that other people on those brands see that some some brands are would much rather give away a few pairs of free skates to some kids or some people who throw up some clips on instagram and use that free publicity than invest in making what I consider skate culture and skate media that I find way more important to, because as an industry, of course we need companies to fulfill, to make skates and to, to keep the industry side of the blade community together. But I'm a first and foremost, a skater, and I see the culture as the most important thing. And to me, that's the, and that's why I'm so involved in all these projects. I, I see blade media as like, like so important. Also what you're doing, I mean, I like uh, medias of any kind. I think that to me, it's a, I see skating as a artistic pursuit in a lot of ways. And I, 
I'm a very creative person and I, I think that skating has the ability to to be just as artistic as other things, you know, and, and I, I think that there has to be a quality control then involved somehow that you're just like, I want companies to believe in, in or show that they, the kind of media that they believe in or like, you know, cause I, for me, it's like when I'm involved in these projects, that's me showing that this is the sort of things that I think is important. This is the yeah, sort of you're, you're endorsing it by, by putting your name next to it or by appearing in it, you're saying this is what I think represents what I believe is the truest form of skating or what, what is my outlook in skating. Yeah. yeah. Or shows the, or shows the potential of skate media in the best way or something like that. And, and I think we've only scratched the surface with that. I mean, I'm writing down ideas in books all the time about skate edits I want to make. And, you know, there's, there is so many things that, or ways of encapsulating or express um capturing skating that haven't been haven't been done and um i just get a little upset when i i grew up in a skate culture where watching videos was what it was all about and to me skating all skating's ever really been has been skating and watching skating and and I, that's what I'm all about. I, I I like skating and I like watching other people skating and bringing influence and then and I feel like that's just a cycle. And if brands show that they don't appreciate that anymore, then I, then I find it very hard to relate to those brands because I feel like we're not we're not on the same page. How do you think they don't appreciate it? Like what what gives you an indication that they don't appreciate it? letting the standard drop so low, putting out edits that are just like, like a joke, like, like putting out, like, like the, I, I just, I feel like as a brand, you should, you should also have a, a singularity or some sort of image that you're trying to express. But if your image is just confused, then how is anybody supposed to relate to you if they don't know what you're about? Yeah. So as in you mean, it should have like a, a strong uniform, like consistent, you know, outlook that it's given to, to, I don't know, consumers essentially, or to, to the culture. Yeah. I think skater, I think skate brands should be more um, interested in their, their image actually. And I think that it's not just about image, but it's also having the, the content of the image, like, like them skates, they have a singular brand defined image somehow, and you kind of get what them's about when you see them. Yeah. But it's not just an image. You also see that John John is, you know, backing what he's showing. And he yeah. shows, like, so they put out skate content that makes you feel a certain way. But if another company put out that content and then you heard that they weren't doing, they weren't actually fulfilling the vibe that they were putting out, then then you would be a little bit like, oh, you make it look like you're this, but you're actually not that. Yeah, it, does, John, it, it doesn't look genuine or it doesn't look sincere. I know what you exactly. mean. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's I think John does a does a good job of showing his sincerity in, in what he's doing with them. And I just think that other brands are just uh, they're not they're not expressing the it's all mixed up. I just don't see a brand image. I don't see a, a strength or a singularity in the way that they choose to present skating. And to me, that's what it's all about. I, I consistently think about the way I want to present my skating and the way I want people to see my skating. And that's, that's a self-driven thing. That's my self-driven wish for my own skating. Yeah. 
I feel like the brand is just an extension of the skaters. Like it, you know, it's just like there's yeah. I would I would say so. If anything, I would say the skaters have become their own entities now, and if anything, they are more important than the brands in a lot of sense because, you know, I would say, like. I became very much aware of this when I started wheel scene. I was like, no, no magazine is ever going to have the influence that Daily Bread ever had. No magazine, never again. It doesn't matter who starts it. It doesn't matter. Even, you know, Haitian, when I thought they had a really cool idea, the fact is skaters are in such a position of power now with social media and with being able to present themselves and market themselves in their own way. And you see it with people like, even people, you know, that may not represent, you know, your outlook on skating, like they've made themselves into their own business with their own like channel or their own like massive following on social media. And they're using that to propel their idea of what they think skating is. And I think it's very hard for media to do that anymore because it can't be that influential. The skater is always going to be more influential than the magazine. And I think the same thing goes for companies. You could essentially mask what the skater is wearing and it wouldn't matter because you know, the brand is no longer the one that builds the skater. The brand does not, like, for example, a lot of people credit Brian Shima's legacy with Razors. Razors didn't make Brian Shima an iconic skater. Shima made Razors an iconic brand because Mm. before Brian Shima came along, Razors were a very middle-of-the-road company that no one was really that interested in. They had a few great skaters here and there, like Marco Hintze and Josh Petty and stuff like that, but they, they were all in transition periods. Like Petty ended up going to Rossi's and then USD. They took a chance on Shima, which was great. But if Shima wasn't the absolute, like, you know, juggernaut that he was and firing out, he'd already had the two section coupe de tat part in USD's, which was huge. He had two ender sections. They then got him just before he hit the peak of his powers, gave him pro skates, and then he just went stellar and you know he made the brand what it is and then they obviously got john elliott and murder and da, da, da. i would very much it could very much be argued that brand did not make those skaters iconic those skaters made that brand this like huge force and i think along the way some brands have forgotten that and now they think you know or or unfortunately they're stuck in the past and they're like oh, well, you guys aren't Shima, you're not Aragon, or you're not, you know, Josh Petty, or you're not Dustin Latimer. And it's like, yes, but if you don't give them the chance to be, how can, like, those those skaters were of a different era. You're, mm. you know, they were of an era where people made icons, whereas now you don't make an icon, you make a massive following, and that's different. It's not the same thing. So I would... I would I would say there are various companies that are allowing skaters the freedom to express themselves how they want as long as you know they're associating themselves with the brand and they're promoting the brand in the meantime. And then I would say there's other brands who are very much leaving skaters to their own devices and just kind of going and then checking in them every once in a while, going, "Well, why are you not promoting us?" And it's like, "Well, I believe I am. I'm just perhaps not promoting you on your terms." So yeah, it's a it's so there's a fine I I I resonate with what you're saying there about the the skater making the brand, and I think that you can look at a say just for the sake of conversation we take a company like Razors for example because you've used that. There's I mean, it could it could also be it could also be applicable to you know USD. No, there's, you can apply it to other stuff, but you know it's just just to use that because I can I for me I feel like that's a really easily identifiable one for people, but it's like there's been generations of razors 
where there's been different vibes present in each sort of generation that was like framed. So you had the, the Shima um, Elliot period. And then you've had like the, for me, I grew up watching the icons period of skating. Yeah. And then you got the, the sort of game theory, sort of razors house period. And then I, and then I look at now and my generation of razors has been someone who skates for razors. And I actually don't know how to define that. And that's because I feel there there isn't a, 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 um, an image, actually, that's so clear with the team. And and I, I just, that's not a straight, like, a, like that's not a, only a negative critique, but it's an observation. And, and, I, and I think that it's, to be honest, I, I see it as quite an important observation in terms of a, in terms of brand image and just like, yeah, I think there's a fine line too between this brand representation thing of not like, you know, just leaving someone to their own devices and then just checking in on them every once in a while that can also come across as just not caring and Yeah, I think I understand how it can be interpreted that way. Um, I do, yeah, because like you said, there's there's certain brands that have got they've got a strong image like them, and even if you look at Roses, Roses look like they've got a cohesive unit. They look like they've got a team that have mm. you know shared a shared vision, and from what I understand, they actually are regularly in contact with each other as a team. And then you've got other brands that it just kind of looks like a random just mix of skaters that don't really have any, you know, anything in common, perhaps with each other. They're just these random skaters. And they might be great skaters, but there's no image to go along with it. And I think that can be damaging for a brand because the entire point of a brand is an image. Like John's proven it himself. You can take a skate that was previously thought of really poorly and completely repackage it as something that is cool and unique and edgy and different by just giving it a solid image, giving it a solid marketing campaign and, you know, creating a great team. And Whereas, being clear and simple and just like making, not trying to, not trying to just, just kind of breaking it down to the basics and being transparent with what your intentions are with the brand or something like that. And yeah. And you can have, or you can have the best product in the world. You can have like the most cutting edge technology and, you know, it might never break and it might be very good at its purpose. But if you've not packaged it and, you know, shown it to the community well or the industry, it's it's meaningless. Mm -hmm. I, I think diversity, diversity and um, representation, especially in this day and age, that, that's, a, that's a relevant conversation in terms of like the people that brands choose to um, represent them. In saying that, I think it's important to think about if a team was to get together on a tour, how would that look? Because them skates, for example, or just well, just keep on using that example, but it, but it's an. Well, easy I mean, they have they have pretty much just taken over the inline the aggressive inline industry. So it's it's as an example, most people yeah, are going to use. Let's, let's just use that because it's easily grabbable. But that them them skates when you see them at Winter Clash together. They're like a unit and they, they hang out together and you can tell that they enjoy each other's company and they're actually not just on a brand together, but they're, they're friends and they go for breakfast together and they, you know, they're, 
that yeah. you can tell they have some sort of mutual um, understanding with each other. Whereas I see some teams and it's like, to be honest, I, if I was at Winter Clash, I wouldn't know who was my teammate. I, I, like, I, to some degree I would, but you know, there's, there's so many people, some, some brands have so many people writing for them that you, you don't even, you know, yeah. like yeah. that breaks into the flow territory and stuff, but you don't even know who's on the same team as you kind of. Yeah. You regularly see it on Facebook groups and people will be like, who's riding for such and such these days, or who's in the pro team for that. And see if someone has to ask that the brand's not doing their job. Like no one should ever have to ask that. It should never be in any doubt. No, like I, I could, I could list the them team on in, with my fingers. You know, it's like you, cause it's just, it's there and it's shown. Yeah. And I just think, yeah, that's the, the brand's, the brand's job somehow is to, is to put, is to put themselves in people's minds and make people remember them and identify them, you know? And how much of that responsibility do you think has to fall on the skater though? Like if you say it yourself that there is that breakdown in the relationship or you don't, you, you don't think that, or you're just unsure of what direction the brand's going in, do you think it's the skater's responsibility to try and open up a dialogue with that brand and be like, you know, what are we doing here? What do you want from me? How, you know, how can we progress things in a way that we're both happy with? Because I do think in a lot of cases, it's very easy to blame the company and be like, oh, the company's just let this fall apart. And then you speak to the, the skaters and you're like, oh, why did you quit? And they're like, I wasn't happy. And you're like, did you ever express that? And they go, no, I just, I just get fed up with it. And I just left. And you're like, all right. Or, you know, they don't like the direction that something's happening. And I'm like, have you ever ex- actually spoken to anyone about this? And they're like, oh yeah, I've told my friends. And you're like, well, telling your friends doesn't achieve anything. You, you know, you need to speak to the person that, so there's so much in that Dave seriously there's like it's like one I think skating is notorious for bad uh, skating industry is notoriously known for bad communication there's just like there's bad communication across the whole board like I would, the, I would say so yeah it, it's just like if you have a problem like you say like go say it and it's maybe not the problem you thought it was often if you put if you put skating relations with your sponsors in in the way that it would be with a relationship with a partner if you had all these issues about a partner and didn't tell them and then just one day we're like, oh, I'm going to leave you tomorrow. And they're like, why? And they're like, oh, I had all these things. And they're like, well, couldn't we have spoke about that? I mean, you don't have relationships without problems, but it's not the problems that have to define the relationships. It's the way you... It's how you come. navigate them, yeah. Yeah, that's the key to longevity in relationships, just like, I guess, communication and, and chemistry on the, through that. But the... So with with that in mind, have, have you that, taken that, any yeah. steps or? I know with that in mind, I would say that it's up to the person who feels disappointed or feels that it's up to the person who feels the problem to make the to first start Because if, if you're the one who feels the issue, you can't hope that the other person's psychic and picks up on it. You should you should be yeah. upfront about your issue. Um, and I think the. Uh, it's not, I'm not saying this on my, like, I, I <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more just expressing dissatisfaction and, and disappointment in the way that some things are handled in skating, but I'm not saying that that's my situation. Okay. That's just, that's just things I'm observing in, in the way that I'm seeing skating 
Oh, I mean, you can like you can see it in numerous brands with numerous skaters throughout the industry. Like, just look at all the people that you know quit various companies, or other people that you know go from skates to skates. That's that vet alone is an indication that you know there's there's a lot of people not having conversations they need to be having. Totally, just just like company hopping, and then when that gets the same hard talk comes up at that co- company, you're off to the next one or whatever, and. Yeah, I think a huge part of it sits on the skater's shoulders too. I mean, you because I, I think that you also things I learn when I when I speak to non-skating friends who are experienced in different job markets, and I set, tell them something about my skating sponsorship situation or something, they're like, "Do you ask for things?" And then they're, you know, it depends what the answer is. Sometimes yes, the answer is sometimes no. And then they're like, "Well, then how do you expect that?" You know, and that comes back to what you're saying. It's like, how do you expect? It to change if you haven't confronted the issue you want changed yeah and i think that a lot of skaters have not necessarily been in job situations where they've had that sort of confrontation with colleagues that, but it doesn't an argument doesn't that's something i've learned actually by living in denmark argue and a disagreement doesn't mean you don't you're not friends with someone or you don't like like I think in Scotland, people can quite try to avoid confrontation a lot or not even just in Scotland, but I mean, sorry, in skating, That <laughs> I don't know why I said Scotland, in skating, there's a lot of like, we're all friends and we all post love heart emojis on each other's clips on Instagram and we're all trying to keep this homey camaraderie going on. And there is that, listen, it's not, it's not, it's totally, it's not totally false, but there's, to be honest, I wish skaters were less scared of just voicing their opinions and just straight up saying if there's issues because we're not going to progress an industry if we don't highlight the issues and then try to confront them um and that doesn't have to be done in an asshole way because critique isn't critique people when they hear the word critique or argument assume negative connotations but if you critique an argument is the only way that you can progress dialogues and, and eventually change things i think you know like I 100% agree. And it's, it's not about, yeah, it's about how you deliver or how you communicate that idea. And I understand what you mean, because it's kind of become this association where if you don't like something, or you say you don't actively support something, you're a hater. And that's not, I don't believe that's the case, but I do believe there's a way to be critical of someone and be respectful at the same time. So because I've run into this a lot where someone's like, oh, you're just a hater because, you know, you said you didn't like such and such. And I'm like, well, if you looked at it, you'll notice that I did point out positives. I just pointed out that I, there were negative aspects as well. And you're allowed to do that. It's called critique. For example, someone sent me a video the other week, and I'm not going to name them. This European skater sent me a video and they went, oh, can you post it on your site? And I was like, oh, I'll give it a watch. And I watched it and I just wrote them a nice message back going, it's great to hear from you great to see that you're still skating you know loved watching you and blah 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 i was like i wasn't a fan of this video i was like there was wind noise in it i was like i didn't i didn't really like the because see whenever i hear wind noise and camera footage i'm like it just sounds cheap and terrible and i was like and a lot of the skating just felt like mess about homey clips sure. and i was sure like it wasn't peruvian flute or something and i was like but thanks for sending me and he went and the guy was actually really decent about it and went, that's really cool. Thanks for actually taking the time to give me feedback. And he's like, you know, you raised valid points and I appreciate your honesty. Most people would not respond that way. 
I was, as soon as I sent the message, I was just waiting for the guy to get in contact and be like, you're a dick. Mm-hmm. Because most people can't take criticism, but it depends oh. on how you deliver it. If you deliver it respectfully, if the person overreacts and has a tantrum about it, that says more about them than it does about you. I mean, I, I, um, I think you're the same. You're pretty pedantic and, and you have, uh, in the sense that you value what words are used and why you use one word instead of another word. And that's about conveying meaning. And you'll pick up on some, you'll pick up on something if someone uses one word rather than another word. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm the same because sometimes I feel like we, we should have more awareness on the way that we say things and the way we present things and the, the words that we choose to use, because if we're not saying things, if we don't mean what we're saying or we don't, I mean, of course, sometimes things slip off your tongue, but if you don't try to convey your meaning and you, in a certain way, then things are going to be misinterpreted. So it is totally the way you do it. And instead of saying, I hated that clip, you can say that I thought that clip gave me a feeling of, there's just, there's ways of delivering speech. So it comes across much nicer. And instead of, instead of like a punch on someone, you just, you kind of like sympathize with the, you know, from the position of they're in. And I, I just, that's where miscommunication comes from for me in skating a lot of the time too. It's just like, I get, you know, certain messages and stuff where you're like, what does that mean? You're like, you know, like something so vague is said where it's like, where, how can I specifically, what's the specifics of that? Just something very vague can be like, I just feel there's a vagueness to, to, like to you, need, you, need, you need to give someone something to work with. Like you can't just say, you can't just make a blanket statement and expect them to improve on something. Like say, for example, yeah, it's a video. You can't just go, oh, that sucked. Like you have to say the elements of it that you didn't appreciate. And then they go, all right, well, I could work on that. Whereas if you just go, that shit or that person like you know that that's that's yeah. not constructive that doesn't achieve anything it doesn't help them improve you may as well not have said it you're just given bad energy whereas yeah yeah con- constructive criticism actually isn't bad energy that's actually to be honest helpful if you went if you went to see a a psychologist and they and they and they uh they told you uh oh, it sounds like your life's pretty shit then you wouldn't you know but if they if they told if they said to you it seems that you have certain habits that are putting you in this direction, which may cause you to feel this way. It's it's just totally in the way it's said, you know, it's yeah. totally. So well, I guess, I guess the logical question is how do you move forward from that individually then to improve your own situation as a sponsored skater or as a pro skater or as someone that represents your, is it, it's just razors and orange wheel company you're skating for at the moment. Is that right? Grand Control, also under Sunshine. And Grand Control, yeah. Well, Grand Control and Razors, Sunshine, so yeah. Yeah. So I see... Because you are representing those brands and you are representing them in all the facets that you described. You are representing them on social media, you're representing them at competitions, and you're representing them in media. So it's not like... I mean, you've just released a section that was a runaway success, so you know, everyone's, everyone's raving about fifth floor and you had the most footage in it. I would say that in the, in the future with like skating, I would like to be more involved (laughs) somehow politically in skating. I I just want to do my skating as it is. I, I do just like, I do think that most importantly for me is just to continue skating. And 
and uh, collaborating with the people that I want to collaborate with and just hang like you know just skating is first and foremost like the act itself and, and second to the skating is capturing the skating and making creative projects and that's where I get most satisfaction with my skating but I, I do notice that I, I would like to be more vocal on certain things that irritate me with skating because I have through skating I've managed to get a platform where I feel like I can I can express myself and, and maybe influence certain people's the way certain people think about skating and and that's you know I'm not trying to I'm not trying to go around bitching that's for sure I'm not I'm not that's not at all my, my wish if I was to be getting vocal or political about skating it would be because I hope to make it better for skaters in the future and 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 there's a lot of things that I've met in skating that I've I've been hard to deal with like coming into if you're speaking about like being a pro skater there's a lot of disillusionment <laughs> involved in that process and uh i would just like you're you're, you're gonna need to be more specific about that and what you mean because that's that's a, you just said we need to eradicate vagueness and then you just made an incredibly vague blanket term so what what is it what is it that you think creates disillusion or makes people you know jaded on it it's uh of course uh, some of that also that's not that's not any there's no one else to to completely blaming that either because it is a thing about your own expectations that that comes into it very much oh definitely um and your own hopes and dreams that you've projected to this moment in time or something like that but i think it's just I think it's coming to a place where you feel like you have all this energy to give and you want someone else to like jump in with you and like make it happen. But you just realize more and more that no one else is going to do the, like the more I want skating somehow, the more I want something from skating, the more I realize I have to do it myself. And that's, that's actually a positive realization. But it's just a, it's just a difficult one sometimes because then I realize that okay I'm not gonna have financial support or anything like that from from that so so I have to then if I'm doing it it's off my own initiative and yeah. then I also want to you know then the credit goes where the credit's due and that's you know to your friends who help you do it and to the you know. So, so I, like, yeah, just my assessment of what you're saying is you you think you want to like collaborate with a brand or you want to feel like you're working with them instead of just working or instead of just skating or representing just a faceless, faceless company, essentially. It kind of sounds like you want more of more interaction and more, you know, like, let's talk about our shared vision. Let's talk about how we can both, you know, get what we want to achieve out of this. Definitely. I would like, I, I think that I, I have a, I have a total wish for sharing a, yeah, or at least it doesn't matter if we have different beliefs because that, that, that can be worked through with communication. So I think actually more than the vision, the communication of your visions is more important. You know what I mean? Right. Just because, because it's, it's not even a, an issue to me that we don't 
we have um, different thoughts about skating because I think that that's actually healthy and it's, you know, some gut bacteria for like just some healthy, it's just healthy to keep the, keep things. If, if things get too similar. Well, yeah, if, it, ever, if everything was, was the same, it would be incredibly dull and bland. Yeah. Totally. And you just need some different approaches to skating. And I think that skating's going back to the image thing, skating's images can sometimes get too, too um, uniform. And even though you have like a rocky image, your skate company could be like a rock and roll image. But then if everyone is that rock and roll image, then it no longer has its uniqueness that it's intended on. So it's, I just feel that. It, it also it also alienates a large part of your consumer base because if you go if you strongly attach yourself to one thing and go this is what we are and this is it only, then if people are like well I I don't identify with that so I'm not buying your products. I think it's yeah I think it's more important. So in terms of principles, I think it's important to have a strong brand image, but I think that your your principles are more important because you can have people with different styles, but if you're clear if it's clear that they have a shared value like it doesn't the, the vision of how to express that could be different but if there's like a, a belief in brand transparency or yep. i think that that's actually more of a guiding principle like more strong that's stronger sorry than because that's with john yeah yeah a lot of the skaters on them seem to share similar styles of skating i would say they both they both have their own like uh I would say lots of them actually have their own kind of unique vision of skating. Like you've got someone like Soichiro who's very stylish and meticulous. And then you've got someone like Danny who intentionally goes out of his way to try and make skating look as, um, I don't want to say like not normal because not what is normal, but I just mean as an, as unconventional as what has previously gone before, if that makes sense. Like he's very athletic, but he is also... I love how Danny, and that's some. I love how Danny um, brings humor into skating. Yeah, like he tries, like he tries to, you know, make his personality reflect his skating and make someone feel like they understand who he is as a person from watching his skating. I, I love, I love humor in skating. Like I'm really a big fan of that, and I feel like actually David captured that well in Fifth Floor, like the humorous aspect yes. of skating. But yeah, you're right. Them skates has diversity for sure, but it also makes a lot of sense to me how that they can function as a group unit and a team because there's you can sense that there's a a vibe that they can all get get on, you know. Yeah. But most importantly, you can see that there's a a principles, some principles that John seems to to work by, and I think that when you're not a teenager anymore, and when most of the skate when most of the skaters at this point have jobs and vote in elections and, and have a politics to the way they live their life, then, then you look for that politics in the, in the things you're doing too, because you know, like somehow you, you, you look for the ways people are doing things yeah. because as a human being, when you develop, you just, you know, it is, you have an identity and you want to identify with, or you try, you want to try maybe to align with things that are similar to your, the things you identify with. Yeah. Or people that just conduct themselves in a way that you respect, even if it's not the same way you do, like you're like, oh, I can, I can appreciate that. Or yeah, it doesn't, but it doesn't have to be, you know, the same thing. 
I, I get it. Just seeing, seeing that someone's doing something intentionally, it's clear that whatever them skates is doing right now is being done with intention. And that's, I think that's a big step. Um, what was, what was the, 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 the initial question? I've, I've actually um, forgotten. I'm, I'm pretty sure asked how, how you move forward individually as a skater, but then, then you, you, you segued into something completely different, but yeah. So like what, I guess the obvious question is what do you like want to achieve? What, what do you have any particular goals that you want or? I think at some point I would like to start my own brand. Maybe somehow. Um, don't hold me to that because I don't know how black and white it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be a brand in terms of like, I don't want to start a, I think I just want to start my own thing. Right. And like that could be make my own video or I, I just think I, I've just noticed that more and the more and more I, like I was saying to you, the more I want from skating, the more I'm realizing that it's going to have, to, if it's going to be done the way I want it, it has to come from my own initiative. Yeah. And I think that up until now I've really utilized the, the support network and the network from skating. Like I've utilized filming with the people I want to film with and doing all these things, but I've always just been the skater and I want to be able to, to expand that role and be able to also be the filmer. And I want to also be, instead of just involved, being involved in other people's projects, I want to be the one who calls people up and says, Hey, do you want to do a project together? And I, I've got the camera, I've got the location. You know, I, I want to be able to kind of embody that role too at some point. So I see that as being a a goal. No idea when that's going to come about. But I also would like to start to change my relationship to skating and just try to really focus on the skating for the right reasons and putting my energy into skating for the fun of it, you know, and just not wasting my time on, on thinking about aspects of skating that are not actually very helpful, you know, and if, and just, you know, what aspects of skating do you think are not helpful though? What, like, what things do you think are well dwelling on if I'm going to be able to, what I can get from it and dwelling on dwelling on the, the irritants <laughs> that I find in it, like, okay. like some of the stuff we've discussed. Yeah. I'd rather just, instead of hoping that another company changes its ways, then I'd rather just change my, make a decision to put, put myself in a position where I, I just make, make my own way with it, you know, kind of. I think that's it. I think a lot of I think a lot of skaters get frustrated with these companies and visions that they have, and it's like you do realize that you don't have to adopt that mindset. Like you don't have to be you know negative and scathing about it. You could just you know if you can try and have a dialogue with them. That's the first step because you know if you have a discussion for all you know you could resolve the issue, but if you can't, then there's nothing wrong with you know no one's forcing you to stay there. And I always find it really funny when. See if, a skater, see if a skater leaves a company on their own terms and they go, this isn't working out for me anymore. Like like David with Rollerblade. David was due to get a pro skate from Rollerblade. It was all going in the right trajectory. It was going in the way that most pro skaters would want. And I know that he got offered a skate and I know they were designing it when he left, but it just wasn't, he was, it just wasn't what he wanted. And he left 
and he left to be essentially a free agent and then he got picked up by Valo. He did that on his own terms. But then you get other skaters who just stick it out for years and years and years. And then when they finally get dropped from the brand or finally realize the brand has lost interest in them and they've not got they've not got dropped, but they're just in no man's land with a company. And then they finally quit and then bitch about that company like nonstop in every interview they get. And it's like, you can blame the brand for that predicament all you want, but you also have to take some responsibility for yourself because no one forced your hand. No one put a gun to your head and said, stay. You chose to stay and now you're going to leave and badmouth the brand. I'm really sorry, but that's that's a poor reflection of you, not just the company. It just comes across as bitter at some yeah. point as well. Yeah. And essent- and quite childish. And you're also you're bitter at your own lack, your own inaction. That's yeah. actually the bitterness comes from you knowing that there was moments you could have changed your ways, but you just stuck it out in the hope that they would read your mind or what what I don't know. But I think that I want to just be a bit more punk with skating and just be like, you know what? I fucking love that person skating. I love that person skating. Let's just fucking do something together and the rest can sort itself out. And, you know, I, it's, to be honest, when it come, when it fucking comes down to it, I, I just, I'm a skater and the other parts of it are important to me, but I, I just care about skating and that's, but that's also vague because the act of skating isn't just the act of skating. Skating encompasses everything else about the industry. Yeah. But you can also choose which where your focus goes in. Because yeah, skating encompasses everything, the politics, the industry, the community, the all those things. Yeah. But you can choose where you keep uh, or hover your focus, you know, like you can yeah, and if you if you want to if you want to make it an artistic endeavor and just in like explore all the creative aspects, like you've got people like Robbie Pitts who are, you know, making zines and stuff like that, and he's very much carving out his own vision of skating. Or you get people who turn it into like a music endeavor and you know create bands out of it. There's there's so many ways that you can utilize. It, it doesn't just have to be a straight go from flow to am to pro to get a pro skate to you know win competitions there's there's all these different paths that you can take about it and that is i would say that's one of the most appealing things about the culture as a whole it, there's no right or wrong way to do it there's just your way i just see a lot of those i see a lot of those structures we have in place in skating these days be doing more harm than they do good i really do i see the 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 flow am pro thing it can like what the fuck? I'm sorry, but at this point in time, what the fuck does that mean? Because I don't see many brands living up to their their claim when they put someone on a team. I just that, but that's my expectations. But what I thought a pro skater was is not what I see them being. Yeah, when when it doesn't matter what category you're in, whether it's pro, am, or flow, and the only thing you're getting is free product then there is no such thing as flow, I'm in pro. It's just, you're all just sponsored. Yeah, I'm sorry, but let's like, let's fucking pull the dictionary out for a second and look at what pro- profession professional means. It means being paid for what you're doing. True. And why are we using that term then if we're not living it, up to it? It is an, it is an outdated term for our specific pursuit. Yeah, because... I, I don't feel we need it. We don't need it. Like, I, I, I think that if we were trying to fit ourselves into like the same categories that other sports define themselves by like Olympic style sports and stuff, Mm -hmm. 
which some people propose rollerblading might be there one day, another conversation. But if well, we're trying actually to- a huge, a huge proportion of Olympic athletes are not paid and do not earn a salary. A lot of them do just they're they are Olympic athletes, but they're not they're not paid athletes. No, true, true. That's actually that's true. A lot of them have jobs. But I, I just see us sometimes holding on to terms that that we don't actually mean anymore it's like i just think it's silly to have a term unless you're going to fully live up to what that term means so like uh like uh or unless you can justify what a pro is so for example if a team is going to have a pro rider and they're going to call their riders pro riders then i expect that team to be able to define what a pro rider is for them that makes sense and that comes down to what my expectations are, my confusion with expectations from brands. If you're going to be called a pro skater, then I would hope that brand can define exactly what a pro skater means to you to, yeah. so that you can do your job as a pro skater the best you can. Yeah, that's fair um, enough. Or else I don't think it's necessary to have that term and call it something else. Or, or at least if you're going to call them pros, but don't want to follow the definition, the standard definition of pro, then say that our version of a pro skater is this to us. Yeah, just as, just as long as there's clarity and transparency and you're like, this is what we're doing and this is what it means. Yeah. Yeah. Not not saying that not saying that you're a pro rider and hoping that people imagine that you're you're living the the lux- luxury life and it's just cocaine and champagne and like, you know Is is that what you consider luxury? Yeah. What? Illegal substances and bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just gave people an insight into your personality there. <laughs> uh, let's move swiftly on from that. Um, I've got a very random question that has nothing to do with what we've been talking about for the last half hour, but it just sprung into my mind. You've lived in Copenhagen for years. Jonas Hansen is from Copenhagen and has filmed sections with pretty much everyone you hang out with, but you two have never worked together on anything. In fact, you've never even had a single clip in a Jonas Hansen project. Why is that? Good question. Do you guys ever hang out? Like you must hang out because he's friends with David and uh, Quinn. I don't see Jonas too often. We see each other at the skate park sometimes or at certain sessions. Jonas hangs around a lot with um, Malte and stuff like that. And uh, you're friends with Malte, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm friends yeah. with Malte, but I just, just somehow we don't, it's not for any reason, but some, we just don't skate together that often. Um, and when we do, it's it's fun, but it's just, yeah, it's it's um, a timing thing that we just don't end up at the same sessions. You know, they, they we're, we're not, we're not like in a way, they have their own little crew that, that skates t- together regularly. But it's not like a closed crew. Anyone can go there, but they're just like hang out often because yeah. No, I I know what you mean. You can you uh, you get different groups in the same city. It doesn't mean they don't like each other. It's just you know, you know, different schedules or different like things that you want to skate, and it just that it just naturally happens. I get it. A schedule thing. It can be. I've quite had quite often had like morning sessions with Jonas because he he skates um you know in daytime often when I'm working or something. I think I gotta say the last video Jonas made was really great everyday shuttle yeah 
I thought that was one of his that was one of his favorite things my favorite things he's ever done. I thought it was just done in a really nice way and it was nice to see clips of Jonas in there too. And it was good timing like it came out a week before we dropped fifth floor so like Copenhagen got a double <laughs> This is double the scene. Cup. This is the scene in Europe right now. Yeah. Yeah, but I actually I think at one point I I said to Jonas I expressed interest for wanting to do something with him but it was just at the time when he just finished the elite series with that and like I, I, he needed a, a break from filming because he'd yeah. done a, he'd done many of those. He'd done one with Richie. He'd done one with um, Quinny. Plus, yeah, and a lot of traveling and you know a lot of expense. And I imagine it was just a lot, yeah, a lot of work on his part. So he probably just was like, yeah, I need I need a break. Totally, but I think that's a possibly there's something there in the future with. with I, like I think you guys could work well together. I think that's like a conversation worth having with him because it would be interesting to see how he portrays your approach to skating because it is very much like, you know, you go through this process and I don't think, I don't think other skaters that he's featured before do that. Like Quinny, for example, you know, I've hung about with Quinny before and filmed sections with him and he's very much like he goes somewhere and it's like bang, bang, bang and just get like rattles them out. And I think the approach you would have with Jonas would be a lot different to a skater like that. I've got to say, Quinny's Quinny, like I think through skating together, all of us, we've all started to influence each, each other's, you know, approaches and stuff. And I yeah. see Quinny playing around on spots. It's really fun. Oh, it really annoys me that people have just never fully experienced what it is he's capable of. Like, I've seen the guys, you know, Skate Club, uh, Instagram. Yeah. He posted a Quinny clip from the video saying something like he'd checked out Quinny's clips years ago and he just he was a rail skater, so he moved on because he, that's not what he was into at the time. And I was just like, wow, you've been sleeping on him then because Quinny's been amazing. Yeah, like it, and his, his wheel scene section alone, I think he's only got like only a, not that many of the clips are rails. A lot of them are weird like gaps or weird grind to things or weird transfers or yeah, he's his elite series section. I think is so incredibly slept on. There are tricks in there that are just so mind boggling. The one he does a 270 back royale up a ledge and then the ledge goes 90 degrees and he manages to fish brain the ledge That's going bad. 90 degrees. And I'm like, that shouldn't be possible. Why is no one talking about this? And no That's one bad. mentioned it. No one mentioned it. And there's other tricks like that in that section. And I just felt like it was criminally overlooked. The sit-down topsail on that big curve ledge. Yeah, the really low. People focused on that because it's a spectacle. But it's like, do you know how hard and how much control that takes to do that? And it's not like he's waving about. Like He, he locks into it and just sits on it and rides mm -hmm. it out to the end. And yeah, it's my work. So I often, like, if I'm having a little break, go over and check it out. And it's just like, that's a crazy trick. Yeah. Much love yeah. to Quinny. He's my Scottish brother here in Copenhagen. Um, he's he's definitely one of my favourites that we've we've produced. Actually, I think he might be my favourite that we've produced. He is, yeah. I would say Quinny's probably my favourite favourite Scottish skater that we've we've ever had. Um, the the but we were speaking about something else there. But yeah, jo Jonas. I may, maybe I will um, maybe I will have to get in touch with Jonas. <laughs> say hey, I'm available. Just, I'm available. Just Jonas. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be, that would be quite cool. Um, so what, what other future plans do you have? What else is coming up? Or, or is, the, is there going to be another location trip? Or has there been any discussion of doing that again? Or no? 
No, not for now. I think uh, generally speaking, like the the Corona has obviously paused a lot of travel and thought like future plans with traveling because you don't know the way it's going to pan out. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are just waiting until things open before making any decisions with that. And I, to be honest, I've, I've not been thinking about anything outside of my bubble, like in Copenhagen bubble, just yeah. because I, I, I actually am enjoying the pause to focus on some of the stuff that I neglect sometimes, you know, like there's a lot of things that I think I, I don't give myself the time to focus on. And I, in the last half year, I've been trying to cultivate a more patient approach to the things I want to do and try to try to think about some of the thoughts that I push to the back sometimes, try to bring them forward and try to consider what sort of um, things I want to try achieve that aren't skating. Because skating, I've just I've just come to a conclusion that skating is always going to be there for me, no matter what position I'm in in my life. Skating will actually follow me like a shadow. Skating like is my shadow. It's just like I, I can't cut it away from me. It's just like so. Instead of worrying about where my skating is going to go, I actually want to shift it so I trust my skating and then just start focusing on some of the other things I want to achieve. Because I don't want to get to the age of 28 and feel that wake up from a skating dream and be like, oh, the world doesn't look as nice as I thought it did when skating's not in the picture. You know, and I, I want to actually, instead of mourning some sort of lost dream, I want to try to meet myself halfway and try things and bring, you know, like have, I don't, there's no reason why skating should exclude you being able to do other things in your life. Yeah, you want to be in a healthy position where you have other things going for you yeah and i think that that actually just is is only going to enrich your skating to have something else to balance it off of and because then you when you don't feel the motivation for skating you bounce reflect the the light onto the other thing and just you know inevitably at some point in my life other things will come there'll be other things come into play that i don't i can't foresee right now and they might take some of my attention that's usually for skating you know and mm -hmm. I think I'd, I, I want to be just enjoy skating for what it is right now and try to be productive. But I also want to just not be, not be scared to try new things because I think for a long time I've, I've felt a little bit all or nothing with skating and felt like if I did something else, it would take me away from skating. And that's, I've not pursued any sort of further education since I left school. I've just been working and then I, and then I save up money and I put the money into skate projects. And I, I think I've been scared to, at the the idea of losing skating but i i i've realistically don't feel that anymore i feel like i i can't lose skating of because if i could have it would have got away at this point you know it's i've got through the the tough periods that everyone else speaks about i've i've got i've got through the the puberty the pubescent period of and skating stayed with me through through it all so oh you you thought that was the tough period You've, you've not next? you've not seen it in yet. What's the next one? The the next one's when your body just doesn't necessarily um, want it anymore. It's not that it doesn't want it. Your mind wants it, and you you can force your body to do it, but it's just not as it's perhaps not as like you know limber or compatible, or you know doesn't recover as quickly. Like I got a wrist injury in August, and it's still I still I can't do a single press up. Shit. 
and it's no, not broke it's not broken and it's not strained and you can't get surgery on it and obviously you can't go to your gp because coronavirus but they're not going to operate on something that's not broken okay i mean i don't have a wrist injury and i can do five so i don't know so. if you're <laughs> yeah like let's just say before before the rest of i was capable of many more than yeah now it just won't take the weight so yeah but well or or i i feel like i could continue speaking but i, I think if anyone's lasted this long then hats off to them well, I no what i want to know is you said you've got other things you want to achieve or other goals you have in life so what i want to know is what are your other let's end it out with what are your other goals or other things you want to achieve in life Oh, they're not. You, you must have things that you want or things that you, you know, would like. They're not totally clear objectives. I'm only 23, but I have a feeling that at some point I want to have kids. Okay. So that's in the future. I, I see that I, I sometimes get worried or have this fear that, like, if I do that, then I won't be able to do that. And then if I do that, I might become that kind of person and that kind of person can't be that kind of person for another person. You know, you know, all these like complex thoughts. Yeah. And I think that those thoughts can deceive you too, because it's not true. You just, you are who you are and you, you'll, you'll, you'll find a way to make it work, you know, and fill in the, the blanks or whatever. But I, I just want to, that's, that's who knows about that. That's, that's, I just put that thought into my thirties. Yeah. Like I'd, yeah, I had my daughter when I was in my, like already past 30. Yeah. So yeah, there's a box in my head marked 30 and I've just put that thought in there. And then uh, th th for the meantime, like let's put it in more realistic, like immediate. more immediate future. Yeah. Then, then I've just applied to hopefully go to this like three month art school in, in Iceland. Okay. And I hope, I hope to be able to go to that. And it would just be like a, a break for me to kind of immerse myself in something creative that isn't skating. Well, and, if you go uh, if you go to Reykjavik, they've got a skate park. No, it's not in Reykjavik. It's in a small town called Sidesfjord. Right. Okay. But I I just I would like to I want to wiggle about and just like explore and end up in something really bizarre and weird. I I want to do something. I mean, you, you always have, and you always will. You that's that's one thing that is a certainty with you. You will always end up in something bizarre and weird. That's just that's that's your magnet. That's what you gravitate towards. Yeah. So I think I, I just want to end. I want to. I don't want to totally rock the boat and end up feeling like whoa, this is too much. But at the same time, I, I do want to try new things and and. Uh, I could see myself wanting to end up in some random job in some creative industry or, or, you know, in, in Denmark has so much op like there's, there's a lot of support for artistic stuff in Denmark. Yeah. And I just, I just get, I just want to have a stab at trying to find a, an interesting career at some point. I am, I don't have an education. So for me, it's just like, putting my hands out in the dark and feeling around and hopefully, hopefully finding something that I like. You know? Yeah, you education isn't always the answer for everyone. I think the most important thing to have is ideas. If you've got ideas, then, you know, they can take you into fascinating places. I want to develop my, my willpower. I want to develop my, I want to be able to kick myself harder up the ass and I want that. And it's just like stuff like that. All right. So that, that's, that's about it for now, I guess. I want to uh, get better at cooking. I love cooking. 
and I just like I want to keep on making nice meals. Uh, I want to definitely should be read it. I would like to read more books. I haven't read a book in like a year. What are all those books to the right? That's diaries. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Or just like random selection of things I draw in and stuff, you know, like some. Okay. The book, the book of life. We're calling this one. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's um. I guess that's me for now. <laughs> I think that's a that's a positive thing to leave things off. Um, I'm like flash a, the Haitian, flash the Haitian logo since it's sitting next to me. Got to be done. Got to be done. Bina's in India right now, isn't he? Is that right? Uh, no, 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 no. That was a, what I forgot to say when you asked about future Haitian projects. Bina's now been traveling for eight years or something. Yeah, and he's finally i think hit the point where he wants some stability and like a place to call home so i think he just he just he's right now he's just renting out a place in portland okay um so he's i think he's enjoying the the rest period but yeah he has done a lot of travel he also told me that he accepts that restlessness will always be a part of his dna so Let's not say that Bina's settling in Portland forever. I don't think that's what it is. I mean, I don't think anyone can say that for certain. Yeah. No. Well, it's the afternoon there, so you've got the rest of the day to enjoy. Thank you very much for taking the time to do it. I'm sure you're going to get a ton more messages about the fifth floor by people saying how much they've loved it. And yeah, hopefully it won't be three years before we see another section from you. But yeah. Looking forward to it. I want to, I want to say before I go, just, yeah, thank you to everyone that's got in touch about Fifth Floor. I really appreciate it. And it like warms my heart and makes it all the more worth it to make stuff like this. Um, and we're all very appreciative of it. Like I spoke to the other guys and stuff and some, it's amazing, the response. And yeah, that would probably be another thing I'd put into my goals for the future that I think I want to follow up with something. So, I think you definitely should follow up with something. Yeah. That's a good idea. I've got my magician's hat and I'll try to pull something out. You do that. Until then, though. Thanks for for the the chat. It was good to speak with you. I'm sure we'll have a pedantic uh, uh, meeting of minds over DM about where we just discuss various elements that we we have opposing views on, as we usually do. So until then. (laughs) Happiness and so. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that, uh, yeah, give... Give spit spit on Scotland for me or something. You know, give it a pat on the back. Give say hi to Scotland. Well, I'm just about to go and meet Elliot, and Elliot was saying to say hello. So yeah, nice one. Have a good have a good time. Take care, Dave. You too. Speak soon. Goodbye, viewers.